a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. everyone and welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we take the smartest people we know and make them look dumb. And then smart again. I'm Helen Hong and now from the Angel City Brewery in downtown Los Angeles, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Thank you, everybody. What a wonderful, full, bulbous crowd. I know. Such so enthusiastic uh, Maximum Fun fans. Yeah. Well, this is, of course, our special uh, bonus episode. This is just for Maximum Fun uh, donors and, yes. and subscribers. Uh, so maybe we can talk a little, a little bit of shop. Uh, Helen, of course, uh, these are for people who have contributed to Maximum Fun, especially have contributed to our show. <gasps> who are those familiar. are our favorite people. Our favorite people are those who give us money. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have family members like that uh, that are my favorites for the same reason. Uh, Helen, uh, uh, I'm curious, though, this will be about our 35th or 36th episode or so that we've done. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you have any favorites or favorite moments from our, from our first year plus? Oh, my gosh, Jakey. That's like picking your children. Mm -hmm. uh, Which so in my I'm... family, again, very easy. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm told I don't have any children. Oh. Um, no, it's, it's like picking a favorite toe on your feet. Like, does anyone have You don't a have a favorite toe? I don't have a favorite toe. Oh, I toe. clearly have a favorite really? toe. Really? Oh, your yeah. Favorite? Which one's it's, your favorite? It's uh, Market, the one went to, went to Market. This, the, is that the second one? This little piggy went to the second one. Why, the second why is one. that your favorite toe? It's, it's aesthetically pleasing. Uh, it never seems to give me trouble. I mean, let's see. The big toe is the one you stub, so right. that's trouble. Yeah. The pinky one can get mushed in a shoe and yeah. can get very blistery. That's true. The one next to it always seems to get just the residual detritus of, of, of whatever else is going on. The middle one, I, frankly, I find a little smug. Uh, <laughs> But the second one, right next to the big toe, that's the one I can count on. I feel like it never gets a, never gets a blister. You know, never gets a, I... I'm not done talking about my favorite toe, Ellen. No, no, what is it, my dear? I, I picked this as a random example, not knowing that you had an actual plotted out, very lengthy and detailed answer to the yeah. question of which toe is your favorite That's right, and, and the people in the live audience know I am reading this from a script, so this was all written out exactly before. Helen, I could talk about my toes all day, but uh, what do you say we do a show? Let's do a show. All right, today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics, and finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest, Helen, who is up first. He is an animation trainer and co-host of the Max Fun podcast, Oh No, Ross and Carrie, it's Ross Blotcher. Ross Blotcher. <laughs> Hi, Ross. Please, right here. Shaking hands. Shaking hands with Helen. Very polite. Please have a seat there. Pull up to the microphone. It's polite to shake hands with Helen. It, you'll be surprised. Helen, again, we've done, what, 30-plus shows. How many guests come and shake your hand? Very few. Very, You're very few. You're maybe the third. Maybe the third, yeah. Ross. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much. And it was a good handshake, too, even though it was sort of a cross. Yeah. He's Ross. Ross. Do you, do, Ross, do you have a favorite toe? A favorite toe. I was trying to think about that as you were talking about it, and my approach was, which one would I be most upset if I lost? Mm. Oh. I'm gonna go with the big toe. Hot take. Oh. Hot take. You know what? Yeah. You're it would just right. throw off all my balance. You're right, yeah. because if I was, uh, say, for instance, getting intimate with someone, and they took off their sock, and <laughs> big toe was missing, I'd be like, I gotta go. Really? I can't. We can't. Now you're picky? No. <laughs> 
The handshake was good, but the yeah. missing toe, yeah. gotta go. Ross, as Helen mentioned in the introduction, you are an animation trainer, and I believe it is at a company many people have heard of. Yeah, Disney Animation Studios. Oh. What? May sound familiar. Yes, absolutely. Wait, so you teach fledgling animators? No, I teach the really good animators who get hired at Disney Animation Studios. Yeah, the fledgling ones go to Fox. Uh, oh, hot take on Fox. Fox is owned by Disney now, it's the same. Uh, if I'd said DreamWorks, would, that, would I have had the crowd on my side? I don't, Who are only the people one way to that you look down on? No, we do not disparage competitors. No, actually, it's... Well, one thing is you work with people who have worked all over the place. Mm. So, you know, you're constantly working with people who've worked at Fox and DreamWorks and elsewhere. And uh, animation doing well everywhere is good for everybody. Yeah. Mm. Rising tide raises all boats. Yeah. Very good. So what... And you train them, like, in the specific style of Disney? Is that what the actual training entails? It's a wide variety of things. So you have all these amazing artists, some of the best in the world, and you're just making sure that they constantly have access to resources, uh, drawing workshops, film screenings, lectures, classes. So we're bringing in all kinds of outside talent, uh, not unlike you do for the show. Wow. Yeah, we totally do that. <laughs> uh, now, I've been fortunate enough to visit you at your place of employ at Disney. You were yeah. kind enough to take uh, me and uh, our, my, the co-creator and co-producer of the show, Jim Newman, uh, on a tour of, the, of, of Disney. and, and take Good friend of ours. There. He's been on Oh No, Ross and Carrie, by the way. Oh, really? Jim Newman, both in our... Let's see, the um, Amazing Facts episodes. Wow. And um, more uh, Scientology, he kind of helped us out uh, with that as well. Jim Newman, the unsung hero of Go Fact Yourself. Yes. He's now like, getting sung. Yeah. Now getting sung. Uh, and uh, how, do you, how did you and Jim uh, get to know each other? Uh, originally through the IIG, the Independent Investigations Group. Yeah, represent. Right. Representing uh, here as well. Which offers a $250,000 cash prize for people who can demonstrate claims of the paranormal. And uh, how many people have, have uh, claimed that prize? Uh, let me count on my toes. Zero. Zero. You're missing all your toes now, not just the big one. Uh, That's disappointing to me. Yeah? That I'm missing my toes? That also, yeah. but all, but but uh, like really, nobody has proven paranormal ever. Well, well, well what, what do they have to do it under scientific conditions? Pretty much, though. Uh, the, uh, the, the, explain it. The whole Ooh. idea is that they work with us on a protocol, and they agree to that. That right. is what the has test is going to be. Close? No. No. All right. Uh, does this mean you don't believe in ghosts? Y yes, though I I. I'm always eager to look for them. I'll keep looking. God, I love... You know, love... I noticed that on those ghost hunting shows, they never seem to find them. <laughs> Same with Bigfoot or, or any of those. Why, why do you think that is? <laughs> well, the simple answer would be because they're not there. Uh-huh. But it, the, the lore is fun, the storytelling yeah. is fun, the community and camaraderie is fun. Right, well, Jim refers to this, uh, this investigative group as, as the Party Poopers Club. Yeah. yeah, I feel like my party's been pooped because I'm still convinced as an adult woman that there is a monster under my bed that every time I have to pee in the middle of the night is just about to grab my ankle and then decides against it. That may be Jim Newman. <laughs> No, no, no. No, but, but in other words, it, it, it is fun to believe, but it's a difference between believing and, and knowing or, 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 or having that be a fact. Right, and because it's not yet verified fact, we just have to keep looking. Excellent. Well, we're certainly happy that we looked and found Mr. Ross Blotcher, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Helen, against whom will Ross be competing? She is a journalist and co-host of the Max Fun podcast. Oh, no, Ross and Carrie. It's Carrie Poppy. Carrie Poppy. 
Carrie shaking hands with Ross, shaking hands with Jay Keith, and shaking hands with Helen Hong. Oh. She knows how to play the game. I feel so honored. Both contestants have shook our hands. Ooh. Hi, Carrie. How are Hi. you? Oh, I'm great. How are Excellent. you guys? Excellent. Wonderful to have you here. We're very, uh, we're very well. Now, uh, speaking of Disney, as we were with Ross, you have your own podcast that is also in that world. I do. Yeah, I co-host it with Natalie Palomides, and it's about the dark underbelly of Disney culture. Ooh. Like what Ross does, or yeah. what? <laughs> it's every episode's about Ross. Oh, okay. Like what a no. creepy is. Give us an example no. of some dark underbelly that you've covered on the show. Okay, so we'll talk about Disney conspiracy theories. Ooh. One of my favorites is that there are ley lines that run under Disneyland's. Ley lines are energy lines that are sort of paranormal in origin. Mm. They run under Disneyland and they cross right under the carousel. And if you go under the carousel, which good luck. Yeah. Um, you can go into a, tra a time travel portal and people have been able to travel back and forth between generations. Uh, people actually believe this. And it's obviously not, not true, right? It's not true. It's not I mean, I did talk to a guy who runs the carousel there yeah. and he had not heard of it. <laughs> That's what he wants you to think. <laughs> I, yeah. wonder what the, I wonder what the number one destination for time travel would be if, if one were to go find the portal. Totally. Right? It seems that most of the time travel is done the opposite way. So, oh, so people, they come here. Yes. Ah. Everybody wants to go to Disneyland, man. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, people in, like, the 1800s will yeah. show up on the carousel. That definitely was the worst part of the 1800s, that there wasn't a Disney theme park. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Carrie, save me from myself. Uh, you also delivered a very popular TED Talk. Oh, thank you. Tell us about that TED Talk. What was that experience like for you? Um, it was great. So, yeah, it was actually at TEDx Vienna, and, uh, and then Big Daddy Ted was like, hey, it's good. <gasps> We're going to make it a, an official You TED got promoted talk. to Big Daddy yeah, Ted? Yeah, Big Daddy Ted. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, it was wonderful. Everybody in uh, Aust Austria was really great. Uh, they, do, they are very, very formal there. If you have more than one degree, you say you are Dr. Dr. Poppy. No way! Yes. Yes. No way! And Are so, you Dr. Dr. Poppy? No, no. Oh, oh I was gonna say my mom would die because <laughs> she's Korean and none of her children even have one doctor. So if you oh. were Dr. Doctor, she'd be like, "Oh, come here, honey." <laughs> she would be so stoked. You wouldn't even have to get married to a doctor. You'd have two of them right there. They, Wait. Did, they did tell me. Uh, so I have a master's degree. They did tell me. Oh yeah, here we would call you Master Poppy. <gasps> I think we might try that today. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what was the topic of the TED Talk? Oh, you're not going to like it. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. Based on your previous conversation. Okay. Was so, it about big the bottom of yeah, your bed? Oh, is it, it about, was, <laughs> about what's under your bed? It was about scientific explanations for paranormal events and how most of the time when people have those experiences, there's a very earthly explanation. Yeah. It's Jim that. Newman. <laughs> right. Yeah. Under uh, my bed every speaking, time. Speaking of which, Jim Newman was on our Flat Earth series as well. That's the other one I was oh, trying okay, to Oh, okay. Very good. Well, he reminded me while I was back there that he also sent us the link to the dowsing group that we ended up investigating. So. Yeah. Uh, I do want to talk to you about your uh, Ross and Carrie podcast, but last thing before, you uh, are very active on Twitter, and I couldn't help but notice that every day you seem to send out a tweet about a very particular subject. That's correct. What is that and why? Uh, do you even know, Ross? I'm guessing pigeons. Oh, nope. Oh, that's okay. That happens a lot. Your dog, Ella Poppy? Does anybody know? <laughs> so I'm doing a campaign, Ross, where I'm trying to get cast in any production of Hamilton as King George. Any production. He's got the best song in my mind. I yeah. know. He really does. 
does. Yeah. He does. And and how's that going, Master Poppy? Not great. Okay. Wait. So your campaign in in lists in, in, in what's entails? the word? Entails. Entails you. So your campaign tweeting. entails you just tweeting every day. Yeah. yeah. And what do you I say? I want to be King George. Is that not how things get done? <laughs> no, because I, I'm on a campaign to be on the Star Trek reboot with Sir Patrick Stewart. Oh, yeah. And it's like, uh, and if that happened, like to be cast as a series regular with Sir Patrick Stewart. Sure. It, Captain Picard on his new Star Trek. And I, and I like... I, uh, maybe I need to start tweeting every day about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely. obviously it's working so well for Carrie. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did call my lawyer a couple weeks ago, and he answered the phone and said, oh, I'm so glad you called. I was just going to offer you the role of King George. <laughs> 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 All right, so the He's word's funny. getting out is, yeah. is the important thing. Yeah. All right, now let's talk uh, for a little bit about your Max Fun podcast, Oh No, Ross and Carrie. So podcasts are usually a couple of people sitting around a table talking, which... A lot of those are awesome, but ours tend to be a little bit more involved. How many hours would you say you put into it to any given episode? Oh, God. We've tried to estimate this before, and the first time we settled to about 60 hours, but uh, that may have changed in the weekly format. Yeah, it really depends. So there are some that will take us upwards of 80, 100 hours to mm. get done, but the, the, those are at the extreme end. And speaking of extreme, you have uh, eaten and uh, drunk... Uh, mm -hmm. several unusual things in the course of your uh, actions. What are, what are some of those for people who don't know? Um, I can't think of anything unusual I've eaten. Oh, wait. Okay, we've eaten cakes that we thought might have sperm in them at the time, but turned wow. out not to have sperm in them. How but did we you were willing. Wait, how we did you determine? Them, we yeah. ate them fully aware that we might be eating someone else's sperm cooked into a cookie. Yeah. So it was um, an occult group called Ordo the Ordo, Tem Ordo Templi Orientis. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, Toll House cookies recipes have changed a lot since <laughs> I was a kid. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I think you're trying to lean towards us having drunk our own urine. We did. No. No? We also yes. drank each other's urine. Oh, wow. For some yeah. reason, that's so much worse. Uh, how was it? My urine or Ross's? Any, I don't... I'm so overwhelmed. It's all bad. Yeah, it's, it's all, all bad. bad. But but you did that because you believe uh, some people believed that it caused an effect that you were testing to see whether it did. Yeah. There's a, a very large community that feels that there are huge health benefits to drinking your own urine. No. Even cycling it just constantly. <laughs> and, and what benefits did you find? None. Um, well, I tried to cure eczema with it. That didn't work. <laughs> As advertised. I still get migraines. One of the promises was that if I drank Ross's urine, my allergies would disappear uh -huh. because he's not allergic to those things. And? 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 I still can't eat nuts. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are the most dedicated yeah. podcast hosts. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Like, very, very dedicated. I yeah. Mean, if, I mean, we, we, Helen and I barely show up to this. We like, yeah. if you told me I had to eat or drink anything bodily for, yeah. to I don't be feel, here, I'd be like, bye. I don't feel like this is something I should be proud of, but right. thank you. Well, thank in you. the course of all these episodes, you've been doing the show for about eight years, is that right? Yeah. Correct. Uh, ha have there been month. any, ha have you uh, proven or disproven anything where the people who made the claim said, wow, you're right, I'm going to stop making that claim? Oh, what a wonderful question. Yeah, uh, L. Ron Hubbard was like, I don't know why. <laughs> why did I ever think this stuff? No, I can't think of anything where the the originator of mm -hmm. the claim but changed right. their mind. What do you think, Rob? Our, our pastor at Amazing Facts certainly did say that we changed his presentation style when he was talking about the Seventh-day Adventist beliefs that he presents. He said that the things that we said in our podcast would change how he delivers okay. his seminar. 
but we've heard a lot from listeners in that regard, which is always really gratifying. Yeah, a lot of, um, we hear a lot from ex-Scientologists and ex-Mormons oh. in particular, wow. who, who like part of their journey out of what they view as an abusive situation uh, was listening to our show. Very wow. And they And they also know they don't have to drink urine. Right. Yeah. You don't have to, but you're not saying don't. Hey, do, you do you. You do you, and we do happiness because we have Ross and Carrie. Oh, my God. I, I think you ought to investigate that segue. That was, that was very awful. Uh, all right. Well, we asked each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have some expertise. Ross, you told us you know a lot about the band The Smashing Pumpkins. The number, the number pie, and the duck-billed platypus. Correct. And I should point out to our listeners, Ross is wearing a T-shirt uh, of the Smashing Pumpkin. So perhaps you think that might be your topic. Carrie, also a digit of pie. Also a digit of pie. Yes, it's a shirt that says zero. Double oh. duty. Uh, Carrie, you told us that you know a lot about the Dick Van Dyke Show. Yes. The Mary Tyler Moore Show. Yes. And farm animals. I, I had to pick a third. You did. <laughs> And I should point out to our listeners that Carrie is wearing a t-shirt of Mary Tyler Moore. Yes. She's in two of my Also covering two of your topics. Uh, All right, well, later on, we'll ask each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person does have a chance to steal. Your topic today, hanging on the rod. First up in Hanging on the Rod, Ross. Okay. Ross, your question comes from a listener, a Jesse Thorne of Los Angeles, California. Oh, we know Jesse. Yes, this is our special Max Fun edition wow. of What's the Difference? Jesse did uh, actually suggest this. Our Uh-oh. Lord and Savior, Jesse Thorne. <laughs> uh, Ross, they both hang on a rod in your closet, but what is the difference between a sport coat and a blazer? A sport coat and a blazer. This would come from Jesse Thorne. Yes, it would. <laughs> He's all into men's fashion, and I couldn't care less about such things. Really? Could not. Uh, Okay. Sport coat and a blazer? Yes. Hmm. Okay. Just trying to think this out. How do I hear those terms, and how do they work? Sport coat. Well, you don't wear it to, like, a sports game, but it's got to be sporty. Oh, goodness. By the way, Carrie, in a corduroy jacket of some kind, is looking very, very <laughs> smug. Oh, she's ready no, for this. No, I'm not smug. Not I'm just smug. hoping he doesn't look over at me and get some sort of hint. Oh, that's right. Please, whatever you do, oh. don't look at Carrie. Okay, I'm going to say, well, thank you for buying me some time there to think. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm going to say it has something to do with how it's worn, mm-hmm. that uh, a sport coat is typically closed up, buttoned, mm-hmm. whereas a blazer oh. is worn open. Okay, so closed and open. All right, Ross has given us an answer. We don't know yet if he is correct. Carrie, what do you think? Huh. (laughs) Um, Okay, Ted Baxter. Yeah, that definitely wasn't smug now. I definitely (laughs) realize how I misread that Um, that expression. Ted Baxter wore a blazer on Mm. the Mary Tyler Moore show. Okay. Um, I know that because they would call it a blazer. And I think I'm wearing a blazer now because I call it a blazer. Mm. So I'm going to say a sport coat is longer. It's longer, okay. Oh, you're done. Okay. Um, (laughs) Well, it's time to hang this segment up. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. While a blazer is less formal than a suit jacket, it is more formal than a sport coat. And it usually has buttons made of brass, silver, or mother of pearl. A sport coat... (laughs) 
A sport coat is even less formal than a blazer. It comes from actual outdoor sporting events like hunting and equestrian. It also has a looser fit than a blazer so that it can be worn over a sweater. That's right. And while you might think of a blazer as navy blue, it can come in other solid colors or even a maritime stripe. In fact, the original blazers belong to a rowing club where a blazing red color gave the blazer its name. It's now, very sporting of them to wear yeah. a blazer. Well, you were on the right track. You did think it had something to do with sports. You just couldn't quite narrow it down there. Uh, meanwhile, a sport coat often has leather patches on the elbows and or the shoulders. So if you're talking to a professor with patches on the coat, as Carrie is demonstrating, she has patches, uh, and that professor asks you how you like their blazer, you don't have to correct them. Just know that you know the truth and you know, <laughs> be happy with that. Helen, what does that mean as far as our points go? I'm going to say neither one of you got that right. I think that's correct as well. No points that's there. Right. I'm sorry, the Jesse Thorne. Rare applause for zero points. That's how supportive this crowd is of our but guests. But one point for Jesse Thorne. One point for Jesse Thorne, yes. We'll give him that honor. Who was points. wearing a blazer when he suggested this question to us? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course he was. Very yeah. stylish man. Uh, all right, up next in Hanging on the Rod, Carrie. Carrie, they both hang on a rod over a window, but what is the difference between curtains and drapes? Curtains and drapes. Huh. Uh, drapes. Drape. Okay, I think a drape. <laughs> I think it's longer. <laughs> I think a drape is, it's, it's always long. A curtain might be short. Mm -hmm. And it blocks out more light than a curtain, which is just sort of a flimsy, you know, you could throw up like a bed sheet and be like, that's ah, my curtain. But if you mm -hmm. called that a drape. Oh, like, yeah. You go to hell. Get out of yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, all right. We've got Carrie's answer. We don't know yet if she is correct. Ross, what do you think? Well, if it weren't for drapes, it'd be curtains for all of us. Thank you, Los Angeles. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to say, I, I like the idea of drapes being longer, mm -hmm. like the ones that kind of drag on the floor, but I'm going to say that the primary difference is that curtains can be uh, drawn, mm. like they, they're mobile, whereas drapes just kind of stay where they are. Oh. Very, very interesting. Uh, all right, it's curtains for this segment, so let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. While there are exceptions, the differences are these. Curtains are usually translucent, and they only cover the window or the area immediately surrounding the window. Drapes are usually opaque, and they hang from the top of the window all the way to the floor or even from ceiling to the floor. That's right, and while curtains are for decor and maybe a little bit of privacy, drapes are meant to block out the light entirely. So if you're doing something crazy and want to make sure the neighbors don't see, you better get yourself some drapes or some less nosy neighbors. Helen, what's that mean as far as our score goes? I think Carrie got both parts of that right. I think she did as well. That is two points for Carrie. Thank you. What is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Ross Blotcher has zero points and Carrie Poppy has two points. But those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. It's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. to go fact yourself where our score is Ross Blotcher with zero points and Carrie Poppy with two points. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Thanks, everybody. Ross, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the band The Smashing Pumpkins, The Number Pie, and The Duck-Billed Platypus. Now, uh, let's find out a little bit more about each one. First of all, you said you know a lot about The Smashing Pumpkins. 
It was a, I think, formational band for me. I was raised in a very evangelical household. I listened to a lot of K-Love radio. But uh, one of my friends, Yavar, he introduced me to this secular band, the Smashing Pumpkins, <laughs> and, and a few others, you know, Garbage and uh, Oasis. And I could go on some other important bands. But that was one I just really locked onto, and it was this siren call for me. And I remember uh, going to visit my grandparents, and in the room where I stayed, there was cable TV, and I could watch MTV. Mm. And I remember seeing the music video for Tonight, Tonight. And just going, what is this? This is amazing, this music. Now, we should explain uh, to the young people listening, that was back when MTV played music videos. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, just all along the way, that their music progressed, and, they, and Billy Corgan is very much synonymous with the band. He just kept producing more and more music, and, you know, devil may care if the people won't, like, want him just to play his hits. No, he's going to keep writing new stuff, and I was all for it. Whatever, whatever you're going to do, I'm in. That's I, awesome. lo I love that you describe Smashing Pumpkins as a secular band. <laughs> I, I don't think you yeah. can get any more secular. Yeah. I like I, that that's a genre of music. You're yeah. going to go to a record store, again, for the young people listening, there used to be things called record stores, uh, and say, where's the secular music? <laughs> the, the, the song, Zero, has, on your has this line where it says, emptiness is loneliness, loneliness is cleanliness, and cleanliness is godliness, and God is empty, just like me. And I remember that, I like, I would turn down the music at that point. Like, I just, I, I don't even want to hear that. I, I, I can't entertain that. Such a good boy. Uh, fun fact, about uh, 25 years ago or so, I shaved my head, and I was mistaken by someone for Billy Corgan. No! Wow. Hey, you kind of look like the Smashing Pumpkin guy. It's like, sign hey, my the arm. Smashing Pumpkin guy, yeah. Wow. It was, it, was an, it, was, it, was, it felt nice, not going to lie. It felt nice. Uh, all right, Ross, you also said you know a lot about the number pi. Yes, so my dad uh, retired as a math teacher, but he was a math teacher for many years, and one of his extra credit assignments that he would give to his high school students was to memorize the, the first 35 places of pi, and they could get extra credit for that. And I was in fifth grade, I, I think, and he handed me the sheet and said, hey, you want to try? And so I quickly got the 35 and said, well, give me more. And so I got to 105. What? And, wow. Yeah, and it... I, I, I know. I never... <laughs> <laughs> I, I just realized I have this ability to memorize numbers, I guess. Wait, yeah. can you still do it to this day? Sure. 205? Well, yeah. Hit it. Okay. So, pi is approximately equal to 3.141592653589753258963253358973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973258973
almost paralyze you. It's very, very painful. Oh. And it can kill a smaller animal, like a, you know, something the size of a dog. They wow. sound adorable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, now, I was interested in to, to find out that there are no duck-billed platypuses. Platypi? Uh, the, the oh, boy. Platypi is just a fun, colloquial um, plural. It, it is fun. It's, it's platypuses. Having fun. Platypi. Let's do it all together. Platypi. <laughs> That's fine. That's All fine. Right. Uh, there are no platypuses in any U.S. zoo. Oh, yeah. It's very difficult to maintain one. You have to build an approved platypusery, which is... <laughs> See? The hell you say! See? See how fun the platypus is? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, kids, close your ears! Yeah, really? My Don't goodness. listen to this secular animal. So, so they're only found in uh, southeastern Australia and Tasmania. And have you actually seen any in person? No, and, and I, I have seen them, like, stuffed, preserved, but not a live platypus. I know wow. what my band name's gonna be now. Yes? Platypusery. Yeah! <laughs> Rocks at the Palladium. Uh, all right, Ross, so to summarize, you said you know a lot about the Smashing Pumpkins, the number pie, and the duck-billed platypus. Today we want to quiz you about the number pie. Oh, no. <laughs> I told Carrie, I hope they don't quiz me on the number pie. Yeah, okay. you obviously don't know much about it. I mean, and, only the first 105 numbers. And what did I say when you said that? You said they're definitely going to choose that. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm disappointed that we're not going to talk about platypusery. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they might dovetail. We'll see. Um, that's not going to happen at all. Uh, now, uh, obviously, we talked earlier about your investigative procedures. Are there any uh, beliefs that people have about the number pie? Anything mystical or, or woo-woo about it? Oh, that's an interesting question. Uh, in the Bible, there is a reference to pie in 1 Kings 7, uh, where it refers to this basin you're supposed to build as being like 10 cubits across and 30 cubits all around it. And so that means pie is three, which is wrong. So... <laughs> There you go. That's if you're going for biblical literalism, sure. you might that might steer you wrong. Wow. Uh, I can't think of any specific mm -hmm. supernatural. Do you beliefs. have any favorite sequences in the in the in the digitry of pi? Uh, somewhere around uh, like 762, I want to say there's a, a series of six nines in a row, mm. and oh, it's wow. it's all it's all. Wait, what, what, what was that, that sound? What's that reaction? Boo nine. We're an eight crowd. Eight, 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 eight. No, no, no. Uh, so that's interesting. That, yeah, that's unusual. But uh, there are calculators online, or there's, you know, applications online where you can search for any string of digits, and it's going to show up eventually because it's just an infinite number. It's right. been calculated out to trillions of places. Right. So uh, you could put in your birth date and find out when that first shows up. Yeah. And Ooh. is that fun? It, for a few moments. Okay, great. Just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in the number of pi to test your mastery in the subject with an expert-level question with up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, here are five trivia questions about the topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. Now, Carrie, do listen closely, because if Ross answers incorrectly and you know the correct answer... <laughs> okay. Theoretically, you could steal. Yeah, yeah. Carrie, okay. by the way, how much do you know about the number pi? Um... You know, uh, it has something to do with circles, uh, and it's delicious. <laughs> Can't argue with that. Delicious, delicious knowledge. When I released my video reciting 600 places, Carrie released a video where she recited all 10 digits. <laughs> That's an accomplishment. Also blindfolded. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, we'll it was impressive. Yeah. yeah. All right. Here's your first question about pie, Ross Blotcher. Pi has become even more popular since Pi Day was founded by physicist Larry Shaw in 1988. When is Pi Day celebrated? On, 
on Einstein's birthday, March 14th. Ellen? Sorry, Carrie. That is that correct. That is correct, of course. Carrie was mad about that one. March 14th? I could have gotten that one. That's the only one. thing I would have known, that's yeah. all. Well, we Be like to start easy, so... Uh, because it's 314. 314, right. Uh, fun fact, in Britain, they celebrate it on the 3rd of the 14th month. Question number two for Ross. If you want to be really geeky about it, you can celebrate at 9.26 and 53 seconds. Yeah. Or, or uh, well, let's see, uh, three, one, four, yeah, one, five, yeah. nine. Yeah, you have to ce celebrate at the right time of day. So, I won't go so into So you don't it. want question number two is what you're saying? Yeah, or keep going. Oh, oh sorry, here we go. sorry. Question number two, Ross. Okay. Ross, by definition, pi is a ratio of two elements of a circle. Which two elements and in what ratio? Oh, okay. Well, it's the circumference of a circle divided by the diameter. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. <laughs> Uh, in pizza terms, we would call that crust over center cut. <laughs> I like uh, it. You're two for two. Here's question number three. Pi isn't just about mathematics. In fact, some writers use a dialect in which the numbers of letters in successive words follow the digits of pi. What is this way of writing and talking called? Ross looks a little stumped. You do have a hint available if you'd like to use the hint. I, I feel like I've heard this mentioned before. Okay. Yeah, give me the hint. Helen, how about that first hint? It sounds like a pie that is delish. That's, that's my hint. That uh, is your hint. Sounds like a pie People that is... People wrote that hint. <laughs> Jim Newman, I believe, was responsible for that hint. Jim, we're going to talk later. A pie that is delish. Mm -hmm. Oh, goodness. I don't... A, a, apple script. Apple script. Is it apple script, Helen? It's not No, I don't know script. how you got that from that, but Carrie with a chance to steal... I'm going to guess Pydelish. Pydelish? Helen, is it Pydelish? Close, but Very no. close. A little, very good listening to the hint. It actually is Pylish. Pylish. <laughs> okay. A portmanteau of pie and English. Huh? Uh, no point there. Fun fact, Not Awake by Mike Keith is the first book ever written completely in Pylish. In fact, the title is an example of Pylish. Not has three letters, then A is one, and wake is four, as in 3.14. Whoa. Well said. All right, let's see if you can bounce back with number four. I have a feeling you're gonna get this. In the first 30 decimal places of pi, one digit appears six times, one digit appears five times, and one digit appears four times, but one digit appears zero times. Which one? <laughs> Ross is counting on his fingers. Zero. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Damn. He's wearing the shirt, guys. Yeah. The hint would have been, you're wearing a shirt with this answer on here. Uh, by the way, talk us through, how did you figure that out? You were counting your fingers silently. Yeah, yeah I suspected zero, because I don't remember those being uh, in the earlier part of the sequence. And also, at one point, I did have to force myself to go back through and re-memorize it so I wasn't saying, oh, mm. I wanted to say zero. Mm -hmm. So, anyways, then I confirmed that just by recounting it on my fingers. Very, very good, and thank you for showing your work. All right, here's question number five. Ross, writing the pi symbol is pretty easy, but typing it can be a challenge. On a computer, what keys do you have to type to make the pi symbol? And you can give us the answer either for a Mac or a PC. You know, I've done this before. It's one of those alt codes. You have to say alt, you mm -hmm. hold it down, and then you hit right. three digits. Mm -hmm. I'm going for another hint. All right, Helen, how about that second hint? On a Mac, you only have one choice, pal. Pal. Okay. There were other words in that hint. Yeah. Want to consider? Uh, uh, on a Mac, you have only one choice, pal. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm gu guessing it's going to be like option key and the number one. That's your guess. 
Helen, is that correct? That is not, not correct. Not correct. Carrie with a chance to steal. Uh, what? I only have one choice spell. Mm-hmm. Choice. One choice. N- uh, okay. Um, con- uh, open apple. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're, we're assuming you've already turned the computer on. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, con- the little control the little apple. one. Yeah. yeah. And three, two, nine. Can, can, I, can I throw Whatever in? that is, plus can three, two, nine. Can I throw in a supplementary guess? What if it's on the PC, alt, three, one, four? <gasps> oh, yeah, it should be. Helen, are either of those correct? Nope. No. I'm sorry, incorrect. No, the correct answer is on a Mac. It's option P. Choice, pal. pal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on a PC, it's Alt-227. Uh. Apparently, they were big fans of a Marla Gibbs sitcom in the 1980s. Wasn't it Marla Gibbs? Clint? All right, good. I could have said Jack Hay. Jack Hay, also very popular. Uh, all right, you struggled a little bit there, but that was, that was a difficult question. But now here's your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. Ross, it is time for your cluster fact. Nice. Very, very nice. Ross, this question is so high level, we'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. For up to three points, around 250 BC, what famous mathematician was the first to make a theoretical calculation of the value of pi? In 1665, what famous scientist said he had calculated pi to 15 decimal places? And in 1993, what famous character on The Simpsons said he can recite pi to 40,000 places? Okay, uh, so the, the BC one, I'm gonna say Archimedes. Okay. Okay, and then the next one was a famous... 1665, a famous scientist. Oh, uh, okay. Calculated it, he or she calculated it to 15 decimal You know, I know there was, uh, I think both Newton and Leibniz worked on uh, calculating pi. I'm going to say, I'm going to say we're talking about Newton. Newton, all right. And then what famous character on The Simpsons said he can recite pi to 40,000 places? Uh... Why am I having a hard time thinking of the scientist's name right now? Uh, Professor... Audience, please, very quiet. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, that's not a call for help. Um, <laughs> Zerk, Zink. Is it, uh, zoink, Zerk. He says zoinks a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, goodness. I'm picturing him. He turns to the audience in one of my favorite scenes in The Simpsons and says, Pi is exactly three. And that quiets all the scientists in the room because they're so upset. Like, what? <laughs> uh that guy, Frank. Frank, Frank, Professor Frank, I'm going to say. All right. Uh, Helen is taking note of your answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have today? Here with us tonight is an award-winning mathematician who helped develop a formula for calculating pi and who wrote the book Pi, The Next Generation. It's Dr. David Bailey. Dr. David Bailey. Welcome, Dr. Bailey. Shaking hands with both of our guests. Wow. Oh, my goodness. That's awesome. Doctor, have a seat right there. Pull that microphone right up to your mouth. Speak right into there. Hello, Dr. Bailey. Yes. All right, great. Uh, <laughs> Welcome, doctor. Now, doctor, I have to ask you, do you have two doctoral degrees? No, I only have one. Oh, I oh. thought we had a doctor, doctor. Do you have I a master's so... degree as well? No. Oh. Oh. Well, I do. Oh. Carrie, I'm glad you took the note that I gave to all of our guests before the show. Please make our experts feel welcome. <laughs> uh, this, this might make you feel uh, worse, Carrie. Dr. Bailey, I understand that you flew here to be with us just for this show today. Yes, I did. He did. He came wow. down from Northern Oh, my Colorado. goodness. Thank you. Dedicated. Uh, and uh, Helen introduced you as an award-winning mathematician. You've won several awards. The one that really stood out to me is you won an award from NASA. 
Yes. What was that award for? Being a good guy. Wow. <laughs> that, that means a lot coming right. from NASA. Yeah. If, if NASA is a good judge of anything, it's character. Yeah. No, no. What, tell us a little bit about the work that you've done over the years at Berkeley Labs and that NASA recognized. Uh, well, I'm sort of a mathematician and a computer scientist, depending mm -hmm. on which day of the week. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes I, I do math and sometimes I compute. And sometimes I just play and have fun. All right. Now, uh, you, get to, you get to play around and have fun with the number pi. Uh, in fact, you have a formula for pi named after you. Tell That's us, right. Tell us about what that formula is. What is it called, first of all, and how did you, uh, how did you develop it? It's called it? the bailey borwing Plouffe formula for pi. Top building, ladies and gentlemen. We don't mess around and go back to yourself. Is it an infinite summation? It's a formula of a special form that has this property that you can use it to calculate digits of pi starting at an arbitrary starting point Whoa. without having to calculate any of the digits that came before. Wow. What? How, however, it only, it only works for binary or base 16, not, not decimal digits, unfortunately. Oh, wow. We, have, we haven't found one that'll do yeah. that yet. Well, you came all this way. We'll keep talking to you anyway. Uh, <laughs> Now, uh, now, that formula became so well-known and popular that it actually served as a template for other formulas that people have done since then. Oh, yes, many others. Yeah, and so uh, how far into the decimal sphere uh, were you able to calculate pi using your formula? People using my formula have mm -hmm. calculated to, um, I think, 22 trillion Yikes. digits, actually the equivalent in base 16 and then converted it into base 10, it's 22 trillion digits. I'm, wow. Helen, I'm starting to get the idea that this guy is smart. <laughs> I haven't understood a thing that's happened in the last two right. minutes, yeah. so yes. Helen, remember that part about pizza? Uh-huh. Just think about that for a little next few minutes. Okay. okay. Uh, now, t now, how do you go about writing a book on pi? Because for a lot of people, oh, it's just a number, there's not a book in there. How do you get a book out of pi? You collect a bunch of papers and uh, call an editor and say, hey, put these together and publish a book. It's easy. All right. That sounds very easy. Uh, and and uh, the book is called... Time. Yeah, all right. The book is called Pi the Next Generation. What, what, is, what does that mean? What is the next generation of Pi? It just means new papers that have found, been published recently with new facts about Pi that were not known, say, even, even uh, 30, 40 years ago. That's crazy. How, how are people, uh, other than finding new digits in, in Pi, what, what are we still discovering about Pi itself? Oh, very interesting properties like um, how pi is connected to other bits of mathematics. Mm, okay. Uh, now, uh, Ross uh, mentioned that uh, he enjoyed that how in the first thousand digits of, uh, of pi that there is a digit that repeats itself six times. That actually was going to be a piece of trivia that you were going to mention to Ross when you came uh, up um, here. Yeah. He's got me on that one. Yeah. He's already, he, he even knew that it started at position 762. Yeah. That, that, that is... He really knows his stuff, absolutely. Now, uh, now we mentioned The Simpsons in a, in a question that we asked of Ross. Without revealing what the answer is, you actually had a big part in that uh, moment on The Simpsons. Yeah, I confess, um, I'm the one that calculated 40,000 digits for The uh, Simpsons. That's and, right. And I... They, and so uh, in, this, in this segment of The Simpsons that broadcast, I think, 1993. That's right, yes. Uh, he announced that he has a great memory, that he knows pi to 40,000 digits, and the last digit is a one. And they wanted to make sure they were accurate, so who did they consult? 
<laughs> the guy who literally wrote the book about pie. What was, well, how did that happen? Did you just get a random phone call one day? Like, hi, I'm calling from The Simpsons, and... I, uh, got a fact. And again... <laughs> he got a fact? He got a fact. And again, for our younger from, listeners out there, a fact I, was like I a piece got, of paper that came out of a phone. It's kind of hard I to explain. Was, I was just minding my business at NASA one day, and Which, by the way, is the sudden, best introduction to here, any story, I have to say. Here, here comes a fax yeah. from the Bart Simpson show <laughs> saying, what is the 40,000th digit of pi? Now, now how, how often do you get a fax from the Bart Simpson show? Why do you... Nowadays, very rarely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that must have been quite a treat. So they... I, I did it and faxed it back, didn't think much of it. And um, <laughs> at the end of the month... Um, um, we, ha we have to, uh, there at NASA, we submit a little monthly report of what we have done. And mm -hmm. so I, um, I just put the last entry that um, I computed pi to uh, 40,000 digits, uh, thus helping the Bart Simpson show remain competitive in international uh, tech markets. <laughs> That's wonderful. Uh, all right, I could talk to you about this for, for a long time, but let's get to the reason that uh, we yes. brought you here as far as our uh, game goes. You heard the question that we asked of Ross. Uh, Helen, let's remind everyone first, we asked Ross, who was the famous mathematician who was the <laughs> first to make a theoretical calculation of the value of pi? Helen, what did Ross say? Ross said Archimedes. And Dr. Bailey, is he correct? I'm sorry. Is it Pythagoras? It was Archimedes. <laughs> Well done, well played. Wow. I, I take it you minored in zingers? That was something. Uh, that is a point for Ross. Congratulations. All right, next we wanted to know in 1665 what famous scientist calculated pi to 15 decimal places. Helen, what did Ross say? Ross said Isaac Newton. And Dr. Bailey? It's Isaac Newton. It is Isaac Newton. No mess around there. Another point for Ross. And finally, with your help, what famous character on The Simpsons, or the Bart Simpson show, <laughs> said he can recite pi to 40,000 places? Helen, what did Ross say? Ross said, Professor Frank. And Dr. Bailey? That's wrong. Oh, I'm sorry. Who was it, Dr. Bailey? Apu. Apu, yes, it was Apu. Oh, not racist at all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Ross, is there anything you'd like to say or ask of Dr. Bailey while we have our expert here? My goodness. Well, uh, uh, maybe an irrational question, but what, what do you think of tau and the effort to have tau be kind of the more predominant number? Now, of course, I know what that means, but for everybody else, why don't you explain oh. what that is? Right, tau is uh, essentially just two pi, but for many many equations, you use two pi, and it's just it's easier to express the ratio of the circumference to the radius. Okay. So there's like a whole subgroup saying, oh, we need tau instead of pi. Oh, this is a communist conspiracy. <laughs> together your two loves, Ross, conspiracy theories and math. Uh, Dr. Bailey, if people want to find out more about you or your work, where can they go? DavidHBailey.com. A pleasure. Thank you so much for flying down to join us. Dr. David H. Bailey. Wow. Helen, wow. I have to say, if I had professors like Dr. Bailey, I think I might have studied math for more than just a few years. Uh, Helen, let's get a score recap at the end of that round. At the end of that 
round, Ross Blotcher has five points and Carrie Poppy has two points with a round of questions coming up. That's right, we're gonna talk with Carrie about a topic she knows about, plus later, Carrie and Ross will go head to head in our Fast Facts round to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Ross Blotcher with five points and Carrie Poppy with two points. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Carrie Poppy, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the Dick Van Dyke Show, yes. the Mary Tyler Moore Show, yes. and the Farm Animals Show. Sure. No, I'm sorry. It's actually just Farm Animals. Uh, let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, you said you know a lot about the Dick Van Dyke Show. Yes. How Why? about tell Why? us more about it? Um, well... I was just hanging out at NASA one day. And this, this fax comes in. No. Um, okay, so I grew up in a very Nick at Night family. We watched pretty much only Nick at Night. And my two favorites were the Dick Van Dyke Show and the Mary Tyler Moore Show, and still are. And uh, I don't know. I mean, the writing on both of those shows, I just think, has never been topped since. And uh, Dick Van Dyke's a national treasure. He really is. Yeah. I, so I got to, to work him. with him. He's amazing. What? Hold you, on. You've, whoa, Forget show. stop everything. Forget the show. Helen, What? tell me now, please. Because uh, he's still he's still around. Right. Yes. And he... Well, it doesn't mean I worked with him. I mean, uh, <laughs> how many of you people have worked with him? How did he, you get to work with him? He works with this um, homeless mission in downtown LA mm -hmm. called the Midnight Mission. Mm -hmm. And I was invited to uh, perform stand-up at a fundraiser for the Midnight Mission. And he was there. Nice. And this was maybe five, six years ago. And he is still delightful and amazing. And he has that crazy big smile that's still Dick Van Dyke. And he must be 90-something. He's 93. And, and when he you was just, he was so, he was still totally with it, and he was still Dick Van Dyke, like that Dick Van Dyke. And I was like, oh my God, you're Dick Van Dyke. In Mary Poppins Returns, when you see him like dancing on the table, that wasn't CG, he danced on the table. Yeah, How would you know, Ross? What, do you work at Disney Animation? <laughs> Correct, one point. Oh, okay. <laughs> very, very good. Yeah. Uh, and I should say, uh, uh, Carrie, I saw you at uh, the memorial for Rosemarie when yeah. she passed. I believe that was a year, a year or two ago. Yeah. Uh, did you go to pay your, your respects because you enjoyed her work so much? Yeah, yeah. I mean, she was a phenomenal actress. She played Sally Rogers on The Dick Van Dyke Show. Mm -hmm. She was, yeah. I mean, she was also a, just a piece of Hollywood history yeah, that, yeah, will never be And replaced. she was very, very kind to me personally in some other shows that I did. So it was, uh, it was very nice to pay respects there. Uh, all right. Also, you said you know a lot about the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Tell yeah, us about I do. that. Oh, man, it's just, <laughs> it's the best show. So I've watched every episode, you know, countless times. Um, it was another one that I grew up on. And uh, I've read all of Mary's books. I've also read all of Dick's books. So I don't, don't you know, discriminate against uh, authors of books about TV shows from the 70s and <laughs> 60s. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, it had some of the, it had the best ensemble cast probably ever on TV. And uh, it's hilarious. All right, fair enough. And then finally, you said you know a lot about farm animals. Sure. <laughs> Can I give a peek behind the curtain here oh, a little? Of course, please. So at first I said, oh, easy, three topics. Dick Van Dyke Show, Mary Tyler Moore Show, I Love Lucy. And uh, you guys were like, you know, maybe something that's not uh, TV from <laughs> this particular period in American sure. history. Yeah. And uh, so then I was like, okay, what else do I know about? And I used to work at a farm animal sanctuary, which was... Oh, wow. Oh, it was so great. It was one of the best times of my life. And so I got to know a lot about farm animals compared to the average person. 
So I, I feel like I'm like a mini expert. What's your favorite, what was your favorite farm animal? Pigs. Oh, uh, why? Uh, Delicious? No. no. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. Oh, I didn't stop eating meat because it tasted bad. I did yeah. it because it's wrong. <laughs> um, so, uh, pigs. They're <laughs> yes. Pigs. Pigs. <laughs> <laughs> I am a meat eater, and I will still applaud that. It is lovely. <laughs> um, so, the, yeah, the pigs were super friendly, very, very smart. Like, as smart as a dog, genuinely. And they all know their names. Like, uh, I was very good friends with this pig, Lily. And when I would come in, I'd call Lily, and she'd run up, and I knew her favorite treats, and I'd feed her. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're amazing animals. Awesome. So to summarize, Carrie, you said you know a lot about the Dick Van Dyke Show, the Mary Tyler Moore Show, and farm animals. Today we're going to quiz you about... The Mary Tyler Moore Show. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, excited. Yeah, she's very relieved. Uh, when's the last time you saw an episode of The Mary Tyler Moore Show? Uh, probably four days ago. Oh, okay, so very recent. Uh, do you have a favorite episode, favorite scene, favorite yes, line? Yes, thank you for asking. <laughs> My favorite episode is the Ted Baxter's Famous Broadcasting School episode. It's So Ted Baxter is the anchor at WGM New, WJM News, where Mary works, and he's very stupid. That's, that's his character trait. And so he gets conned by this con man who's like, oh, we're going to set up a broadcasting school in your name. And then the con man leaves town, and Ted is left footing the bill with all these, like, expected students. And so he still holds the school, and only one person shows up. Wow. So they still have to give all the classes to this one guy. That's it's awesome. Aww. perfect. It's a perfect episode. Great. And now there were uh, many spinoffs, so did you mm -hmm. enjoy those as well? They're fine. Okay. <laughs> Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in the topic to test your mastery in the subject. But before that, we want to give you a chance to show off. Here are five trivia questions about the Mary Tyler Moore Show, each worth one point. You also get two hints for any of these five questions. Ross, if she gets any of them wrong, you can steal. How much do you know about the Mary Tyler Moore Show? Mm, very little. <laughs> Even by osmosis, just having known Carrie for so long? Mm, very little. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Question number one for Carrie Poppy. Many lists of the best sitcoms of all time have the Mary Tyler Moore Show at number one, and many lists of the funniest sitcom episodes of all time have Chuckles Bites the Dust at number one. Mm -hmm. Who was Chuckles? Oh, you mean like who's the character? No, what, what was oh, his so job? Oh, so okay, he was a clown that also worked at WJM uh, running a children's show. Helen? That is correct. That is correct, of course. He is a clown. One point there. Number two, I have a feeling you're going to know this. What are the call letters and channel number of the station where Mary worked? This is literally the license plate on my car. <laughs> wow. Wow. So stalkers, get ready. I still have to pick it up from the DMV so no one go steal it. Okay. I just got a new car. It is WJM, mm -hmm. and it was Channel 12. Ellen? That is correct. Of course that is correct. That's amazing. Wow. I did not know that. That is a happy coincidence to learn that. Uh, fun fact, the owner of WJM was Wild Jack Monroe, which might be why they called the station WJM. Uh, you're two for two. Here's question number three. Who can turn the world on with her smile? Carrie Poppy, of course. <laughs> we all know that as the opening line from the show's theme song, one of the best in TV history. Who wrote and performed that theme song? Oh, Okay. I'm going to trust that you actually know the answer because people get this wrong a lot. It was Sonny Curtis, um, but people often think it's Paul Williams. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. It is Sonny Curtis. Wow, getting schooled. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we, we try to have facts in our facts. Um, I was nervous for yeah. a second. I was like, did we get it wrong? 
You get a master's degree. You get a oh, master's degree. Oh, I master degree. J. Keith. Uh, fun fact, Sonny Curtis also wrote the hit song, I Fought the Law, and was in Buddy Holly's band, The Crickets. Uh, Carrie, you're three for three. Here's question Buddy's number four. Ho Buddy Holly's band was called The Crickets? It was. Yeah, Buddy, Holly and the Crickets. Buddy Holly and The Crickets. Yeah, featuring <laughs> Sonny Curtis. Uh, question number four. Mary's friend Rhoda worked as a window dresser at two fictional department stores in Minneapolis. Name one of them. Oh, good. Okay, Hempels. Helen? That is correct. That is correct, Hempels. What's the other one? You want to take a stab at it? Um, just, just for fun, Helen, let's give her the hint about the other one. Yeah. One of them starts the name as a famous New York department store now owned by Macy's. Macy's. Mm -hmm. It starts the same as a famous store that is now owned now by Macy's. Now owned by Macy's. Right. Think uh, of a famous New York department Gimbals. store. Gimbals. Helen, is it Gimbals? It is not no, Gimbals. No, no, no. Do you have a guess, Rose? Woolworths? <laughs> no. Uh, it's Bloomfields. Bloomfields. Oh. We were trying to lead you to Bloomingdale's, okay, but Bloomfields. But it doesn't matter. Uh, by the way, Helen, I, I would have enjoyed you trying to figure this out if you didn't know, because our hint for, our hint for Hempels was, one of them rhymes with a place of worship. So... <laughs> We'll never know. Dirch. All right, yeah, Dirch. <laughs> I would have I said Dirch. I get all of my housewares at Dirch. You are four for four. You have a chance to go five for five. Carrie, when Ted Baxter told about how he got into broadcasting, he would say, it all started in a 5,000-watt radio station in what California town? Fresno, California. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Wow. Carrie Poppy is five for five, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, fun fact, Fresno is Spanish for ash tree and has many ash trees oh. there along the bank of the San Joaquin River. <laughs> Carrie, you did very, very well in that round, but now here's your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. Okay. Awesome. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Carrie, the Mary Tyler Moore show was full of great characters and great actors, and not just in starring roles. The writers often gave these smaller parts big parts to play, like in the 1977 episode Hail the Conquering Gordy, where former WJM weatherman Gordy returns after making it big on network TV. For up to three points, what actor who had gone on to star in another huge sitcom of the 70s played Gordy? What was Gordy's new job at the network? And what writer who went on to write several huge sitcoms of the 70s and 80s is credited as the writer of the episode, Hail the Conquering Gordy? Okay. <laughs> okay, I don't know the name of the actor, I'm sorry to say. And he's so good, I should. Um, sorry, what was the second part? Where, second part, what was his new job at the network? Yeah, I think he went off and was like a producer a of producer. something. A producer, okay. Yeah, but I can't remember of what. Okay. Um, and then who was the writer? Oh, gosh, there were so many writers on that show. I'll say Travis Silverman. Travis Silverman. All right. And do you want to just make a guess at the, who played him? Just name a friend. Dick Van Dyke. Oh, Dick Van Dyke. Wow. <laughs> I don't know how I missed it. That was a get. Uh, all right, Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Here with us tonight is a multiple Emmy Award-winning writer whose many TV credits include Taxi, The Bob Newhart Show, The Cosby Show, The Larry Sanders Show, and The Mary Tyler Moore Show. It's Earl Pomerantz. Earl Pomerantz, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Carrie and Earl embracing, oh, oh my goodness. Earl, nice to see you. Earl shaking. And oh, he's going to shake Helen's hand, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. History is being made tonight. Carrie looking emotional. Yes, Carrie is flush with emotion. Wow. 
Thank you very much. Uh, I'm glad I showed up. Yeah, we're very glad you showed I up as well. Dogs at home. <laughs> good. Earl, if I could just ask you to speak directly right into that. I'll be do very what close. I can. Awesome, very good. Uh, Earl Pomerantz, my goodness, uh, you, in addition to the credits, Carrie, are you okay? Carrie, Carrie's getting. Oh my gosh! Carrie's tearing Carrie up a little bit. Looks like. Oh my goodness, I Carrie! I didn't bring cleaner. Yeah. Uh, Carrie, I, well, Carrie, it's, it's very exciting to see wow, someone who cre helped create so something cool. that means so much to you. Yeah. Uh, here we go, yes. Carrie. Carrie, here we go. Okay, there, it's okay. Oh, oh Carrie, gonna... you're really emotional. I cry too. Yeah. Well, this is so uh, nice. <laughs> now Earl is taking the handkerchief <laughs> as well. <laughs> Earl wiped his nose with the handkerchief. I don't, I don't need that back anymore, she but thank you. She urine. Yeah. Uh, Earl, we're going to talk with you a little bit as, as uh, Carrie okay, tries you to can. herself. Carrie is keeping the hanky. Yeah. With, uh, with also, I, I, uh, without a question, can I do something without a Absolutely, question? Absolutely, please. I, I've never seen this before. Mary Tyler Moore Show, to me, was also an amazing... Uh, I'm, I'm from Toronto, and I was sitting watching it on the floor in the winter, you know, and when you don't want to go outside, you watch anything that's on television. And it's nice if something's good. One year, I'm watching it on television, and two years later... It's like I walked through the screen, <gasps> and I was doing it. How did that happen? It was cool. Uh, the screen was it hurt, but, I, <laughs> <laughs> but it was just a magical moment where you, you had your favorite show, and you said, I like that show. I never had aspirations, because you need courage for mm -hmm. that, but I had something else. <laughs> and I, I, I just... Uh, so in other words, you got the job you wanted not by tweeting about it every day? <laughs> oh, man. I don't know how, I, I, I was supposed to be the, f go to New York and work on Saturday Night Live when it started, mm. because Lorne Michaels was the guy who brought me down here. And um, I didn't want to go to New York and do that. I didn't think that show would last at all. <laughs> was I wrong? <laughs> Missed it by 40 years. Yeah, yeah but your, your career wasn't that yeah, bad not too without shabby, it. Mr. I, mean, really. I made up an idea for an episode of Mary Tyler Moore, and I actually sold it and my half-hour comedy career started, and uh, then I didn't have to go do that. Now, in addition to the, the shows that Helen mentioned in her introduction, you also wrote for two of the three spin-offs of the Mary Tyler Moore Show, which Carrie thinks are just fine. <laughs> <laughs> I did my best. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Here's the thing. Um, I, don't, I didn't like working on staffs of television shows because they, they, they stayed late and they had to talk to actors. So <laughs> Ugh, actors. I, I had a job for the first three years of that half hour career writing eight episodes a season on any or all of the, of the series that MTM produced. So I worked on Newhart and Mash wasn't there. I worked on uh, Betty White Show was there and, and uh, Rhoda and Phyllis a lot. And, uh, and, and I said, Mary Tyler Moore had to be part of that. I'm like little and I'm saying stuff. I'm saying, you know. Wow. That's I amazing. just did. I said, I don't want to be on staff of Phyllis anymore. She shows up two hours late for the table. <laughs> <laughs> that thought, was really my complaint about yeah, there that was. show. Yeah. So, I, so I got this job writing eight episodes a year and I just wrote everything. So I was just this guy who showed up at 10 and went home at four. 
And everybody else went, whoa. Yeah. But they, you, you, know, made, you made your own uh, niche there. I created a, a, a condition for myself that suited my style. That's wow. outstanding. You're uh, like a Jedi master. Yeah, I, really, I hurt my hand just then when I... Yeah. <laughs> it looked like it hurt. Uh, You're like a living legend of comedy writing. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I am. I say that a lot to other people. Yeah. So you're not the first person to say you're at least the second person. Yeah. I'm the first person. Yeah. And wouldn't you agree that humility is the key to a long career? Maybe. Okay. Uh, so what was Mary Tyler Moore like? What was it like working with her? What was it like working in the writer's room? You know, I don't work in the writer's room. I worked in my oh, own sorry, room. Sorry, that's right. They gave so me an office Pay with a shower. Attention. Sorry, I don't know. What a, and what, what was this show? I've never heard of it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, it, was, it, was, uh, it, it was very cool because it was this quality show, but the people were nice, mm -hmm. even in the sixth or seventh year, which is when I showed up. And uh, Friday night before the show, we'd all eat dinner in the commissary, and, and actors would show up and just be people with us, and we'd, it would be just so cool. These were the guys I watched through the screen in Toronto, and they were eating food with me. So it what was, did Mary Tyler Moore eat? She stayed separate. Oh. She was, she was another kind of person, but she, she was really nice. She, she, um, I was going to go to Tahiti on a trip, and I'd never been there, and I, they talked about snorkeling, and I said, uh, I'm going to snorkel, and she kind of sidled over to me before the show where she should have been thinking about other things, and she said, buy your own mask. This is like a personal, because it'll fit more snugly. <laughs> and then she walked away, and all the writers and producers came, what did she say? <laughs> I mean, it was like, she never talked to me, and I've been here six years, you know? And she, she said, buy your own mask. And that was like a great moment. I mean, it was a, a bonding moment with a big star. And good advice. She, she, was, she was another, she was, I don't know how to say it, because I didn't think about that question. But she was just a person who needed special private time before a show. Did you buy your own mask? I, of course I did. Yeah. But the water went in anyway. Oh, I'm sorry <laughs> to hear that. Guy. I didn't tell her that. Yeah. <laughs> you got to adjust it. Uh, now, uh, we talked about the, the famous episode of Chuckles Bites the Dust, which yeah. many think is, is one of the greatest of all times. Now, you, you weren't... I you, prefer my own. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> well, one of the ones that you wrote actually won, uh, in addition to the Emmys that you've won for writing, you won a Humanitas I Prize. I did. Yes, for, for an episode called Ted's Change of Hearts. Correct. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, by the seventh year, they didn't have any stories left. They were doing Mary Breaks a Nail or something like that. <laughs> and I said, let's hurt somebody. Let's do a show that matters. And so I brought in a heart attack idea. And then I said, if Ted Baxter, instead of coming back and taking advantage of his frailty, instead he came back as a totally different personality. But he was equally as annoying as he was <laughs> when he was arrogant and selfish and vain. And then I won this prize at this luncheon where they served wine. And I thought I, would, I thought I was going to lose because MASH was nominated and all in the family. So I, I, it's free. The wine was free. And, and when I won, the next thing they do is they put you in a car and they drive you to Burbank with the other winners. And you go on a pre-taped version of the t Today Show mm -hmm. that was beyond the next day, except um, I was drunk. <laughs> 
which I take it you are not usually you know, in the morning? I rolled down the window on the yeah. way to Burbank from La Cienega, where the place yeah. was, just trying to get air on my face, <laughs> just trying to be coherent, because a drunk guy was going on network television, and it was me. <laughs> and did you make it through all right? Did anyone notice? I, they didn't notice I was drunk, but they did know I was incoherent. <laughs> They just didn't know why. They, they yeah. thought, just stupid. Yeah. Well, because also, yeah, I mean, a drunk writer? Who'd ever heard of such a thing, I just, anyway? I just never thought I was going to win. It was yeah. free food and free drinking. And yeah. I thought, oh, I'll see Alan Alda make a speech. And, 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 I, and I won, and he actually walked out. What? I, I no, was like, no, he was mad. He got nice later, I guess. But, yeah. he, <laughs> but he said, well, if I'm not going to win, I'm going li to not listen to his speech. What? Wow. I know. Wow. Wow, that's, that's newsworthy. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he didn't. It took about 40 years. I was drunk. Out, he might not have walked out. He might not have walked out. All right. Uh, now, in addition to all, all the uh, TV writing that you've done, uh, you also have done some uh, commentaries on NPRs, All Things Considered. I that did. People might I did until they found out I was doing them. <laughs> they said, wait, we don't know him. Oh. So, I, I I did some good ones. And then you keep a, you are, are very active uh, as a blogger. I've been, 11 years I've been writing a blog called Just Thinking, earlpomerant.blogspot.com, and I, it's, I just write about what I think. I think you should do a vlog because you are extremely entertaining to do talk what? to and watch. A, a vlog a, is a, a portmanteau of a video, actually it's a double portmanteau, a What's video the web blog. What you just said and what I already do? Uh, there would be video that you would, you would not be video. writing it, you would be... I got a nice shirt, but I don't know. <laughs> What else do I have to offer? Well, you, uh, I think Helen is trying you're to compliment you on your delightful nature. I'll take her nature. compliment. It's fine. All right. <laughs> uh, and, uh, well, let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game goes. You heard the questions that we asked of Carrie. First, we wanted to know what actor had gone on to star in another huge sitcom who played Gordy. Helen, what did Carrie say? Carrie said Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> is that right? Mr. Well, that's not right. That's not right? No. Who was it? It was John Amos. It was John Amos, of course, who went on to play Good Time in Good Times, and then he came back uh, for that episode. Uh, the second question that we asked of Carrie was, what was Gordy's new job at the network? Helen, what did Carrie say? Carrie said producer. And uh, Mr. Pomerantz? That, that's not right either. Oh, I'm sorry. What was he? You know, she got it on her license plate. Let's just, let's just say it was right. You're, you're the judge. If you want to give her a point, you can. I'll give her a point, but I'll tell you the right answer also. Okay, what is the right answer? He, he became a, a morning host of a, of, a yeah. sh of a big show. Of a show, like the Today Show, where he might have encountered a drunk writer. Could have been. Yeah. Uh, and finally, uh, we wanted to know what writer who went on to write several huge sitcoms of the 1970s and 80s wrote the episode Hail the I'd Conquering like to change Gordy. my answer. <laughs> Uh, what did what did Carrie say, that Helen? Work on, Carrie a, on a radio. Said, <laughs> Carrie said Trava Silverman. And Mr. Pomerantz, is that correct? No, it was me. Oh, it was you, Mr. Pomerantz. Uh, Carrie, if you can compose yourself, is there anything you'd like to say or ask of Earl Pomerantz while he's here? Oh my God. Um, uh, okay. Carrie's a hot mess right now. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. but in the best okay. way. <laughs> so you came in uh, season six, did you yeah. say? So Mary had already changed apartments. Yeah. Okay. So uh, it, since you were already a fan of the show, that feels like a really um, like big change in her personal arc. There, did you, were you? Did you intentionally do that? Say like she's going to become sort of more independent and less. It's going to be less about her friends and more about her. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> right. I, I, don't, I think they just wanted to spruce it up a little bit. You know, it, it was, they, they saw the same thing for... Yeah. I, I have no idea. You'd have to invite somebody else to... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Carrie, I'm sorry we only had Earl Pomerantz who made you cry yeah, a little bit. I'm sorry we couldn't do any better than that. 
Um, okay, so then the episode... Make it easier the next one. Okay, yeah. well, this is about the episode you wrote oh, about okay. Ted having the heart attack. Yeah. Was so beautiful. That, oh, thanks. Yeah. So uh, he, he comes back and kind of imbues everyone else with this sense of wonder. And then when he returns to his old self, they keep feeling that way. He came back. Uh, they can't do the news and, and smell the roses at the same time. So it was interfering. Somebody had to go tell him to knock it off. Then they decided they couldn't tell him because he was right. And then they said, wow. And then he came in and it had worn off of him, whatever it had. And then they decided, even though they knew it was going to wear off of them too, they may as well enjoy the moment. And they stood outside or out a window and they watched the sunset. Yeah, it's, it's a really beautiful episode. Thank Did you that, very much. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Did, no, not that, all of them turn out good. You know what I mean? You do the, <laughs> I'm well, the same okay. guy every script, but some of them are like, what happened? And some of them are, some of them are just come from a place, and you just do it. Okay, then last question. Yes, please. Okay, um, what's your least favorite episode you wrote? Of anything? Uh, no, of the Mary Tyler Moore show. I was told I wrote three episodes of Mary Tyler Moore show, but I believe I wrote four. It's the fourth one. <laughs> Love it. Earl, if people want to find out more about you or your work, where can they go? They can go and uh, I, I can't promise my blog will be good. I can promise it has been good. I, I, I can't make, I can't predict the future. That's one of the bad seller of shows to networks. They said, is it going to be a hit? I go, I don't know. <laughs> I'll do the best I can. My blog is called Just Thinking. My name is Earl Pomerantz, and some, you can do something if you want to. And between Blogspot, earlpomerantz.blogspot.com. It's an honor and a pleasure to have you Thank here. Thank you for Earl having Pomerantz, me. Earl Pomerantz, ladies and gentlemen. Helen, it feels like the game is sort I of think, inconsequential I, at this point. I think, uh, we're, I think we're all shook. Yeah, I think we're a little shook. That was amazing. You know, we talked earlier in the show before we got into the toe thing about sort of favorite moments that we have from the show. And, and the moments like this where I feel like a guest and an expert connect and, and really get to appreciate the work and get to, to revel in something, some wonderful art are, are my favorite moments. So I'm very glad to, yeah. to have you here and very grateful for Mr. Pomerantz as well. We make dreams come true here at we Go do. Fact Yourself. We make girls cry. That's what I've always <laughs> said about this show. Uh, Helen, it kind of seems inconsequential at this point, but what is our score as we go into the final round? Uh, going into the final round, Ross Blotcher has five points and Carrie Poppy has seven points. All right. It is now time for our final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read 10 statements, and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Ross and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. This will determine the winner. Again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. Ross, on the TV show Friends, one of the friends was named Ross. True. Correct. Thank you. Carrie, on the TV show Friends, one of the friends was named Carrie. One of the top six friends? False. Correct. Ross, according to IMDb, there was a feature film named Ross. Uh, true. Incorrect. No. Yeah, nice try, Ross. <laughs> Carrie, according to IMDb, there was a feature film named Carrie. <laughs> true. Correct. Yeah, actually there were two. I think there were two, yeah. Yeah, 1976 and 2013. Ross, only one person named Ross has ever been nominated for an Oscar in any category. Uh, it sounds like it's gotta be true. Incorrect. No, oh. it's not. It's false. Several people named Ross, your namesake, have, uh, have gotten Oscar nominations and Good even wins. Good for them. Yeah. Carrie, only one person named Carrie has ever been nominated for an Oscar in any category. True. Correct. That's right. 
Ross, that person was Carrie Fisher. True. Incorrect. No, she was not. It was Carrie Snodgrass for her performance in Diary of a Mad Housewife. Carrie, Carrie Underwood has won more competitive Grammys than Diana Ross. A true? Shockingly correct. That is correct. Ross, Carrie Fisher has won more competitive <laughs> Grammys than Diana Ross. False. Incorrect. Incorrect. <laughs> what? This is rigged. Carrie, Carrie Bradshaw has won more competitive Grammys than Diana Ross. False. Correct. How did you know? That is correct. <laughs> Let's give a nice hand to both of our guests, Carrie Poppy and Ross Blotcher's <laughs> Helen Tablets, the final score. Uh, by the way, for those listening, Carrie Underwood has seven competitive Grammys. Carrie Fisher has one for a spoken word album. Uh, Carrie Bradshaw is a fictional character, so, uh, but she does have as many as Diana Ross, which is zero. Uh, Diana Ross does, however, have a Lifetime Achievement Award, but not a competitive category at the Grammys. Helen, are you ready to announce a winner on today's episode of Go Fact Yourself? I am. At the end of the game, Ross Blotcher has six points, and Carrie Poppy has 12 points. Congratulations, Carrie Poppy. <laughs> Carrie, I believe, dominated the Fast Facts round. Carrie, what will you do with your championship? Oh, uh, I'll go underneath the carousel at Disneyland and travel another dimension. We look forward to seeing when you when you come back. Uh, that just leaves us to promote any upcoming products, appearances, or services. Ross Blotcher, what do you have going on? Where can people find you? Uh, you can find, well, both of us at Oh No Podcast on Twitter and Facebook.com forward slash Onrack, O-N-R-A-C. Thank you so much for joining us, Ross Blotcher. Carrie Poppy, I have a feeling your plugs are going to be rather similar. Where can people find you? You can find me at those places, too, or you can go to carriepoppy.horse to see all my upcoming events. I'm sorry, carriepoppy.horse. Horse. You heard right. <laughs> Carrie Poppy, ladies and gentlemen. You lucky, lucky people have had Ms. Helen Hong as your co-host tonight. Thank Helen, you. Helen, my friend, what do you have going on? I wish you could find me at HelenHong.horse, mm -hmm. but you can't. You can find me at HelenHong.com. .com. It's so 2018. Thank you again, lovely Miss Helen Hong. Uh, and me, you can find me at jkeith.net or on Twitter at uh, j underscore keith on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leads me to thank Carrie Poppy, Ross Blotcher, Dr. David Bailey, Earl Pomerantz, Helen Hong. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod, and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. Like what you hear? Come see us live. It's free. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. And if you're listening to this episode in the bonus content feed of Maximum Fun, thank you for supporting the Max Fun Drive and the show. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, how about making a donation at MaximumFun.org slash donate, you cheap bastard. <laughs> Helen? <laughs> Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from the Angel City Brewery in downtown Los Angeles. Questions on Go Fact Yourself were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. It is produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Go Fact Yourself's theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Maximum Fun senior producer is Laura Swisher. The show is edited by Julian Burrell. Dave McKeever is our live sound engineer. Special thanks to Clint Tauscher, Mark Johnson, Robin Randall, Lisa Harriton, David Basin, Herbie J. Pilato, and his new book, Mary, the Mary Tyler Moore Show, Caitlin Miller, Mike Avianos, Dave Bianchi, Eric Tran, Christine Vallada, and you are Max Fun Donor. I've been Helen Hong. Let's go watch TV.
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.